the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. Welcome into another edition of Locked on Oaks. Big, big show today. So much to get to. So much has happened since Monday. Chuba Hubbard, Casey Dunn, Robin Ventura, the national championship game was played. Mike Gundy looks like Tony Romo. Uh, Barry Sanders came in ninth in, in the CFB 150, which was on Monday night at the national championship game. There's just so, so much to get to. Oklahoma State and Texas play tonight. Uh, giving away tickets here in just a little bit for that game tonight. Gave them away on Monday's show. Going to actually physically hand them to Alec Dyer, who tweeted in on Monday and won those tickets. So congratulations to Alec Alec, I want to remind everybody, first and foremost, this is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network in the country. Also a reminder, follow me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell, at Locked On Pokes, and subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you may be listening. All right, let's get to the number one story right now for Oklahoma State, and that is Chuba Hubbard returning for the 2020 season. Uh, I've been telling you for a couple of weeks, I thought that this was going to happen. Prior to the bowl game, I, I believed what everybody else believed. I believed the nation's leading rusher would leave Oklahoma State and head to the NFL to go get his money. And I would not have blamed him for that for a second, but it became clear as the Canadian flag emoji started to emerge on Twitter, as Chuba Hubbard started to retweet all of those things, started to retweet Tylen Wallace's return to Oklahoma State, that he was leaning more and more toward coming back to Stillwater. I don't think he would have sent out all those cryptic tweets and then bolted to the NFL, and he didn't. He's staying with Oklahoma State. So now, this is an Oklahoma State team that returns. It's it's triplets. I mean, it returns Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, and Tyler Wallace, who should be 100% by uh, the start of the season next year. And that is quite the 1-2-3 the punch on offense. Combine that with the fact that you're returning nearly everyone defensively. Uh, I believe you're turning, returning 10 starters, only losing A.J. Green, which is a big loss. A.J. Green has been phenomenal on the defense, but you're returning all three of your safeties, who were a great group last year. Whenever you look at uh, Trey Sterling, Colby Harvell Peel, and Jarrett Bernard, you are returning Rodarius Williams, who had a decision to make whether he wanted to enter the NFL draft. He elected to stay. You're returning Amen Okbong Bamiga, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, a couple of those guys on the defensive line as well so you you also get the transfer from Arkansas who comes in was originally a four-star recruit uh went to Arkansas now he's headed to Oklahoma State you get the grad transfer uh on on the offensive line to replace one of the guys one of the two starters that you're losing on the offensive line so just about everybody is going to be back. You add in a couple of nice transfer pieces, and Oklahoma State should have a really good squad next year whenever you look at the way that Braden Johnson came on at the end of the season. That's huge for Oklahoma State. You hope C.J. Moore can take that next step next season. So, so now we start to talk about what are the expectations for this Oklahoma State team as we head into 2020. I've been telling you all along, if everybody comes back, it is Dallas or bust. Now, in a one-game situation, maybe you beat OU, maybe you don't. History says you probably don't, but you'd certainly love to have the chance, and it would not be a back-to-back rematch situation next year because Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, of course, play in October of next season. A lot of people don't like it. I don't like it on, on the principle of, I like that game being the last game of the season. I like it having a lot on the line. Uh, I, I think that's been really special for Bedlam. But, but just in a vacuum, one year, it is better next season for Oklahoma State to play Oklahoma in the middle of October than it would be at the end of November. Why? Because your Spencer already has a season 
under his belt. Your Spencer already made his mistakes in October of his freshman season. And, and now you're going to get to face OU Spencer, Spencer Rattler, with six games under his belt. I haven't looked. I don't know if it's the fifth, sixth, seventh games of the season. I know it's in October. Um, you, you're going to get to face Spencer Rattler with six games under his belt instead of 11 games under his belt. And, and I think that that will certainly help Oklahoma State. You know, the, the less experience you can have for the other team whenever you're returning such an experienced roster, every little bit of that is huge. So I do think that it is Dallas or bust for Oklahoma State. I also think it's important to be realistic and, and not be crazy and talk about, you, you know, getting to a college football playoff and taking down Justin Fields in Ohio State or Trevor Lawrence in Clemson. That's that's not realistic. And anyone who tells you it is maybe didn't watch the college football playoff. It, it's okay. College football would be so much more enjoyable if, you, you know, 80 fan bases didn't go into the season thinking that it's national championship or bust. It's not national championship or bust in college football. College football is designed for the national championship to be won by the same handful of schools every year. I'll tell you right now, the four schools next year that are going to be in the college football playoff are probably going to be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then a wild card. That's probably who's going to be in the playoff next year. Now, Oklahoma State, let's say they do get hot going through the Big 12 conference schedule. Oklahoma State, I would guess, will be favored in... Man, Vegas likes Texas. Vegas likes Texas more than they should because Texas is disappointed time and time again. That game's being played in Stillwater this year. I would think Oklahoma State maybe would be a slight favorite in that game, maybe a field goal favorite in that game, depending on how things go in the season up to that point. I mean, is Oklahoma State going to be favored in 11 regular season games? Is the only game they're going to be underdogs the game in Norman? And will they be a double-digit underdog in that game since it's in Norman, or will that be a seven-point line? I, I don't know. Probably depends on how the season goes up to that point. But I think there's a real chance that Oklahoma State is favored in 11 games next season. Now, the, the, the OU problem, it's a very real problem. Oklahoma State's only beaten Oklahoma twice in Mike Gundy's tenure in Stillwater. I do think Spencer Rattler is the real deal. I think he's going to be a good player for Lincoln Riley. Uh, you know, he comes in at 10-1 to 1 in the, the Heisman odds, despite having uh, never been the starter at OU coming in in his redshirt freshman season. And I, I think that that's more than fair when you look at Oklahoma's last three quarterbacks, the last three seasons, first, first, second is how they finished in the Heisman. So the OU problem is a very real problem. And that's a team that you'll meet in October. And if you want to win the conference, you want to win the conference championship game, that's probably the team that you're meeting on the first Saturday of December at Jerry's World to, to contend for that, uh, that Big 12 championship. So the OU problem is a very real one. But I do think Oklahoma State has a great chance to be favored in every other game it plays in next season. Uh, you, you have to give Mike Gundy some love for the recruiting job that he did getting all these guys to come back. You know, it's weird. Uh, Mike Gundy goes into high schools and every year pumps out the 35th ranked recruiting class in the country, but this past offseason, Tyler Wallace, Chuba Hubbard both have the choice to go to the NFL and uh, both choose to stay. And you look at what happened in 2017. Mason Rudolph, James Washington both had the option to go to the NFL. They both decided to stay. Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman both had the option to go to the NFL. 
Both decided to stay. Mike Gundy has done a great job historically of getting players who could go to the NFL to stay at Oklahoma State, and he's done it again. Uh, so, so all the kudos to Mike Gundy for what he was able to accomplish, getting Tyler Wallace, Chuba Hubbard, uh, Rodarius Williams, all of these guys to return. The, the excitement level for Oklahoma State football next season is through the roof, and it should be. It's you, you know I say this all the time. For schools like Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, you expect year in and year out to be winning conference championships – and to have a chance to be one of the top five to ten teams in the country. For programs like Oklahoma State and Baylor and TCU, you're really looking for that twice-a-decade team where everything goes right and everything comes together just exactly perfect, and a couple times a decade – you expect that you should go out and contend for a conference championship, and if everything goes right, you you dethrone that blue blood in your conference and you win that conference championship. doesn't happen year in, year out. For Baylor, it happened this last year. For TCU, it happened the Trayvon Boykin year. For Oklahoma State, the last year Mason Rudolph and James Washington were there, Oklahoma State had a very real chance to win the conference. They didn't get it done. It did happen for Oklahoma State in 2011 where they did get it done. You know, OU wins the conference 80% of the time, but, but when every Everything comes together for your program. You have to expect that they're going to contend for the conference championship and just hope that they can get it done in that one-game situation the first Saturday in December. That that should be, and I think that that is, a realistic expectation for Oklahoma State football in 2020. Uh, I want to take a break, come back. So much more to get to. Uh, talk about where Chuba could potentially stack up in terms of all-time rushers at Oklahoma State. We've got to talk about Robin Ventura, who I talked about last week uh, here on Locked On Pokes. He's now officially a student assistant for the baseball team. We've got to talk about tonight's game, Oklahoma State matching up with Texas. We've got to talk about Mike Gundy in the film room last night, just going full Tony Romo on everybody. That's all coming up. Big show today here on a Wednesday. Glad everybody's with me. Don't move a muscle. I'll be back here on Locked on Pokes. Welcome back to Locked on Pokes. Colby Powell here with you on an exciting Oklahoma State Wednesday. Make sure you head over to Twitter and follow me at Colby J. Powell and at Locked on Pokes because that's where we do fun things like give away tickets to Oklahoma State basketball games. Congratulations to Alec Dyer headed to Stillwater tonight to watch Oklahoma State and Texas. I I promise you I'm going to get to everything else I need to get to in this segment so that we can preview tonight's matchup with with, with Oklahoma State and Texas uh, in the final segment of today's show. Still so much to get to, so let's dive right in. Really quick, back to Chuba Hubbard. So Chuba Hubbard, uh, obviously phenomenal. Uh, he, he had a great season, nation's leading rusher. There have only been two running backs in college football history to, to have back-to-back seasons of 2,000 yards. Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin, of, of course, very fresh on the brain for Oklahoma State uh, fans. The Doak Walker Award winner, if you'll remember, for the 2019 college football season. Congratulations to Jonathan Taylor on your career achievement award. Uh, and Troy Davis of Ohio of Iowa State back, uh, what, 30 years ago probably now. Uh, so Chuba Hubbard, look, I, I don't know that he's going to get to 2,000 yards again in 2020. The, the volume for Chuba Hubbard I would expect to be less. I don't think he's going to get as many carries as he did this season, uh, this past season in 2020. It, it wouldn't make sense for him to, uh, especially, you know, he did get worn down later in the season. And I think we saw that in the West Virginia and the Oklahoma games. I, I thought that, that he looked worn down. He even acknowledged after the OU game, you know, it's going to be nice to have this few-week break before the bowl. 
my body needs it. He, he acknowledged that himself. He took a lot of carries, a lot of hits. Uh, he was in on nearly every snap. I do think LD Brown has come along as a backup. I think I, I would expect to see more uh, touches for him next season, uh, and, and we'll see how many touches Chuba Hubbard gets. But let's say, uh, you know, Thurman Thomas um, – has 5,001 career rushing yards at Oklahoma State. Terry Miller, 47-54. Now, to catch Terry Miller at 47-54, Chuba would have to rush for about 1,925 yards next season, which means to catch Thurman Thomas, Chuba Hubbard would have to run for about 2,170 yards, somewhere in that neighborhood next season. So it's going to be tough to catch either one of those guys and get to first or second place in Oklahoma State history in terms of rushing yardage. Now, third place currently is David Thompson at 4,318 yards, and then rounding out the top five, Kendall Hunter, a shade under 4,200, and Barry Sanders, a shade under 3,800. I think something would have to go very wrong for him to not pass Barry Sanders. Uh, Would only need about 1,050 yards, I believe, uh, maybe 1,070 yards to pass Barry Sanders for fifth, Uh, and then, you know, 13. 1,500 yards, you've passed now Kendall Hunter. Uh, 1,400 yards, 1,500 yards now, you've passed David Thompson. So I think we will see Chuba Hubbard climb his way up into probably, my guess would be third on the all-time Oklahoma State rushing uh, yardage list. That would have him just anywhere from a shade under 1,500 rushing yards to around 1,900, anywhere in that window. If he falls in that window next season, which I think is pretty likely, uh, then he would fall in at third place on the all-time rushing yardage list for Oklahoma State. So uh, another thing that's going to be interesting to watch next year, and, and I almost forgot about it, almost lost it in the weeds because there's so much going on. Oklahoma State officially announced that Casey Dunn is the offensive coordinator uh, for the Cowboys. Look, I think this is a great hire. I, I think Mike Gundy going out to Shippensburg and pulling in Mike Yersich, and he has to learn what it's like to be at the D1 level. Uh, I think going to Princeton, getting a guy from the Ivy League who's never even recruited with scholarships, bringing him in with Sean Gleason, I, quite honestly, I think that's a fool's game. I think in the third and fourth year with Mike Yersich, it really started to work, and he started to you know become a really good offensive coordinator. But you, you don't need somebody who has to come in, learn your system, learn what the offense at Oklahoma State is like, learn what it's like to be at the Power 5 level. Promoting Casey Dunn from within, I think, is a phenomenal hire. Now, I can't sit here and, and tell you that he's going to be Todd Monken and this offense is going to exceed what happened in 2011. But what I can tell you is the guy's been there for nearly a decade. He knows what the Oklahoma State offense is all about. He has learned under some of the best offensive coordinators in the country, Todd Monken, Dana Holgerson, uh, and then of course under under Yersich and Gleason. He's a guy you did not want to lose off your staff to UNLV, which you, you would have likely if he was not to become the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, uh, and I know the Todd Monk and Pipe dream was very real for a lot of people, but I think that this Casey Dunn hire is a great hire. Promoting from within sometimes is just the best move that you can make. LSU promoted from within. That's what they did with Ed O, moving him to head coach. Now, I know that this isn't moving to head coach. I know this is going from a wide receiver coach to an OC position, but the OC position is obviously a very important position, and I think it's great that Oklahoma State is not bringing someone in from a lower level to learn on the job. Yes, there will be some on-the-job learning for Casey Dunn, but he's been around. He knows what the Oklahoma State offense is about, and I genuinely hope that I can sit here a year from now and not have to talk about the fact that Oklahoma State did not have a single 300-yard passing game on 
the season. That can't happen. With with Spencer Sanders' threat to run the ball, Chuba Hubbard's threat to run the ball, you get both those guys involved in the run game, you start sucking those linebackers and safeties up, that's going to give you, you, you know, you run motion with Chuba Hubbard, swing him out at the snap, take a linebacker out of the equation. What did we watch LSU do all season long, and especially last night against Clemson? They worked the middle of the field. They threw slants all day long. Braden Johnson should be seeing slants constantly next season. Tylen Wallace should be seeing slants constantly next season. And then you start to get those guys to bite down, and then the move over the top is there, and you're more likely to get that one-on-one coverage on the edge. I'm really excited to see what a Casey Dunn-led Oklahoma State offense looks like. Uh, All right, so much more to get to. We've got to move on. Uh, Oklahoma State baseball has added Robin Ventura as a student assistant. This is so cool. I talked about it last week. Uh, there were some rumors. Uh, I actually heard back in the fall from, uh, we'll call it a source, we've got some some family friends uh, who are, are close with the holidays, and so we knew that Robin Ventura had been around Stillwater and that this had been talked about, but didn't want to uh, get anybody's hopes up and then have it have it not work out. I'm not that guy who just takes to Twitter anytime I hear something, uh, you know, to, to hell with whether I'm right or wrong. I'm just going to put it out there. That's not me. So I didn't say anything, but I kind of knew that this might be coming for Oklahoma State, and this is phenomenal. You now have a staff with Josh Holiday, Matt Holiday, and Robin Ventura, not to mention O'Brate Stadium opening this spring. I, I mean, you talk about recruiting. Oklahoma State needs to go out and get some of the best hitters in the country, bring them to Oklahoma State with the promise that you're going to be getting some of the best coaching from some of the best hitters uh, that, that college baseball has ever seen uh, and, and some great MLB hitters as well, multiple-time all-stars in Robin Ventura and Matt Holliday. Uh, th- this is just a phenomenal staff that Oklahoma State baseball has built. Uh, and it's great getting Robin Ventura on the staff. Also, it's cool that he is a student assistant. That's what his title is. He is a student assistant because he's coming back to get his degree, so he'll be working as a student assistant. I mean, imagine that. You, you've got one of the best hitters in college baseball history, a guy who was a major league baseball manager just a few short years ago with the Chicago White Sox, is now a student assistant at Oklahoma State. That is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, okay, so last night they honored CFB's top, 11 of the CFB 150 on the game last night, which is is great. It's really cool that they did that. The list was absolute trash. Off the top of your head, go ahead and name me eight college football players better than Barry Sanders. You can't. I could sit here in silence for the next half hour, and you couldn't come up with three better than Barry Sanders. But... Somehow they came up with eight. I'll just run you, run you through the list. One through 11, they had Jim Brown, Herschel Walker, Bo Jackson, Archie Griffin, Jim Thorpe, Red Grange, whew, Earl Campbell, Dick Butkus at nine. Barry Sanders came in. Gail Sayers at 10. Roger Staubach at 11. That is rough. That is rough, rough, rough to have all those guys ahead of Barry Sanders on the list. I won't dwell on it for too long uh, because there's a lot to get to today. But Barry Sanders at nine, come on. Barry Sanders should not have been at nine. Barry Sanders uh, is one of the handful of greatest college football players of all time. Uh, He, of course, was nothing but class, said that it's an honor that he'll never forget uh, and that it means a ton to him. 
couple more football items uh, before I take a break and move on to tonight's matchup between Oklahoma State and Texas. Uh, Mike Gundy last night in the film room was simply phenomenal. He was he was college Tony Romo. He was polished. He was clean. It, it was so much better this year. The last couple of years, they've had six coaches in there and a moderator. So it was just uh, everybody talking over everybody. It, it was slow-paced, and it, it wasn't that great. Last night, four coaches, no moderator. It, it was awesome. And Mike Gundy uh, was essentially running the room. He was driving the bus. He was sending them to break, bringing them back from break, telling the other coaches when to jump in, coming in and out of breaks, what they're seeing. And he was calling the plays. A couple of times he called the Joe Burrow quarterback scramble to just off left guard there on third and goal from the four. He called that before it happened. He also called the fade to Terrence Marshall before it happened, saying that that was there and that LSU was going to take it. It was great, great stuff from Mike Gundy. Uh, if you didn't watch it, I'd recommend. I don't know if you can find it on YouTube, but go back and watch it. Uh, really good stuff from Mike Gundy. And, and he and Gary Patterson's chemistry, Gary Patterson's chemistry was phenomenal. It was great. Uh, they talked about the De'Eric King transfer portal in the middle of it, you know, talking about guess where he's going to end up joking about Oklahoma. He's not going to end up at Oklahoma. They are all in on Spencer Rattler. Uh, one more football item. ESPN has released its way too early top 25 for 2020. Oklahoma State falls in at number 13 on the way too early top 25 for 2020 and I, I got to tell you I think that that is about right that that makes sense um, so there, there are several way too early top 25s out uh, Oklahoma State 13 in ESPN that's the highest in any of the the way too early top 25s Washington Post has them at number 14 Yahoo at number 16 Sporting News at number 17 and Bleacher Report at number 18 so uh, Oklahoma State that, that feels about right at number 13. I believe they had OU at number 8, so they had Oklahoma State as the second highest-ranked Big 12 team going into next season, which is about where the Cowboys should be. Okay, I think I've gotten to everything non-basketball that I need to get to. So I'm going to take a break. I'm going to come back. I'm going to preview tonight's game, Oklahoma State against Texas. You might be surprised with my prediction for tonight's game. So stick around. That's coming up next here on Locked on Pokes. All right, wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes. One final reminder, head over to Twitter, at Colby J. Powell, at Locked on Pokes. Give me a follow. Tweet your thoughts at me. A lot of excitement right now surrounding Oklahoma State athletics. Uh, all right, let's talk about the game The game tonight between Oklahoma State and Texas. This is a big game for Oklahoma State, obviously. It uh, has not gone well lately for the Cowboys. I think that's fair to say. 7-0, and Oklahoma State started the season 2-6 and since after the 7-0 start there was a lot of excitement surrounding this program that excitement has dwindled to nothing to, to the point where Oklahoma State fans are just ready for basketball season to be over so the football season can get here and so that Cade Cunningham can get here but uh, again like I told you on Monday all is not lost a, a three-game slump does not a season make I still think Mike Boynton is a really good coach uh, I, I think the talent on this team is average I think the depth is below average a lot of young guys who haven't gotten their feet yet in college ba- feet wet yet in college basketball one of your biggest recruits uh, is, is off the team because of some uh, some off the court acts so uh, a lot of things have gone wrong for Oklahoma State from a personnel standpoint over the past couple of seasons but this game tonight against Texas I actually think is pretty favorable for Oklahoma State this is not a great Texas Longhorns team Team. They're 11-4 and four right now. They've lost uh, three of their last five 
No, that, that's even before conference point conference season started. Uh, they lost to Providence by 22 points on December 21st. They lost the first two conference games of the season uh, against Baylor and Oklahoma. Baylor beat them by 15 in Waco. OU beat them by 10 in Austin. Uh, and then they, they beat Kansas State at home this past Saturday, 64-50. to 50. So Texas does have one win in conference. But all slumps must come to an end. And I think for Oklahoma State, you, you lose the first two games in conference play. You lose to Texas Tech, really good team. You lose to West Virginia, really good team. And, and then you feel like, okay, you'll bounce back against TCU. And, and when they didn't bounce back against TCU, I think that has to be a wake-up call for this team that if they don't seriously start grinding and figuring it out, this season, this senior season for Lindy Waters, Thomas DeZogwe, and Cam McGriff, three guys who have invested so much in Oklahoma State basketball, it is going to go down the drain in a bad way, a, a way that they do not want it to go. So I'm actually predicting Oklahoma State to beat Texas tonight and to cover. Riddle me this. Oklahoma State lost its first three games of conference play by 35 to Tech, by 14 to West Virginia at home, and then by 12 on the road at TCU. And Oklahoma State now is a three-point favorite against the Texas Longhorns tomorrow in Stillwater. A three-point favorite Oklahoma State is over Texas. They are going to bounce out of this slump. I'm telling you, you heard it here. Oklahoma State will beat Texas tonight in Gallagher-Iba Arena. Uh, I hope everybody goes up, makes that a great atmosphere. I'm actually going to be at the Thunder game tonight, so I'm going to have to rewatch the Oklahoma State-Texas game tomorrow. Uh, But I will be trying to keep a track of that. Uh, I don't always get the best service in Chesapeake, so might not be tweeting along with it. But, uh, yeah, Oklahoma State, a three-point favorite. Guys to watch for Texas. Andrew Jones is back, which is phenomenal. Love seeing him out there. Uh, Texas has four guys averaging in double figures. All four of them shoot the three pretty regularly, uh, especially Jace Febris. He shoots how many threes a game does this guy even shoot? Uh, it's quite a few. He shot, let's see, he has shot 109 three-pointers on the season in, uh, what did I say they were? 11-4. and four. He shot 109 in 15 games. So that's six. That's a little over seven per game that you're going to see from Jace Febris. So hopefully... Um, Hopefully Oklahoma State can shut him down tonight. Another guy to be on the lookout for is Matt Coleman. Matt Coleman, the leading scorer for Texas, averages 12.3 points per game. Shoots it at 43.6% from beyond the arc on 55 attempts this season, so a shade under four attempts per game. So, uh, look, this team's playing bad basketball right now. I understand that it's hard to have faith that they're going to be able to uh, pull off the upset against Texas. Not even really an upset. Oklahoma State's a three-point favorite. I'm telling you, when it doesn't add up, Take the side that Vegas doesn't want you to take. Oklahoma State's going to win and cover tonight. They're not going on 18 in the Big 12 Conference. Not going to happen. Texas is the perfect team to get them out of their slump. Uh, I think Oklahoma State gets it done tonight. Uh, Let me give you a prediction. Let's go 64-59 Cowboys. How about that? 64-59. 64 would feel like about 120 right now from Oklahoma State. So hopefully they're able to get it done tonight in Gallagher-Iba, where Alec Dyer will be uh, watching the game, courtesy of Locked on Pokes. He won the tickets that I gave away on Monday. So I hope he has a great time. Hope everyone who is there has a great time and makes it a great atmosphere because Oklahoma State really needs a win, and they really need to get one uh, at Gallagher-Iba Arena. So I think it happens tonight against Texas. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, everyone, for being with me. Uh, got to a lot today. Covered a lot of ground. Be back on Friday. I will recap Oklahoma State's game tonight against Texas. Uh, get everybody ready for this weekend. I'm sure we'll talk some more Oklahoma State football, as that is where the excitement is right now. So glad everyone was with me. Everyone, have a great rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for listening to Locked on Folks. <laughs>